Well, we're going to have a reading now from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. John, chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and follow, saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as Pastor Randy comes forward to share the word that you have for us, open our hearts and our minds to hear directly from you through our pastor. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so today we are talking about changing the world and changing times. This is the third part of the series that we have just recently begun. And today I want to talk a little bit about the ripple effect. And we're going to begin with this slide that I've actually put up over the last couple of weeks, talking about how you begin that very first circle. You make the impact and let those rings go out. I'm kind of a little bit of a country boy. And so I've been out where I've had a lake or a pond or whatever, where I've thrown a stone in. And when you do that, you, you know, the splash happens, but then you're very amazed if, if the pond or lake is very, very still, you can see it just kind of ripple out and you're amazed at what a big impact one simple action made. And the truth of the matter is, is that I believe that God has called us to impact our world, not just simply be in it and make our way through it, but I believe he has called us as his followers to impact our world. And I want to talk about that by just putting up the title slide one more time. You see here, changing the world and changing times, and we grasp exactly how much our world is changing around us. It seems like each and every day, and even maybe as much as each and every hour, the world is changing around us. 
But we should be making that change and impact that God has enabled us to do. And I would just kind of draw your attention to that kind of tagline there where we say we make up our mind to make an impact. And that is important for you. And I want to challenge you if you're a a dad or a mom, a a stepmom or a stepdad, if you're a grandmother, grandfather, uncle, aunt, whatever it is, or even just a friend or somebody who is maybe a little older, a a spiritual mom or spiritual dad or a spiritual big sister or brother, take this opportunity in this changing world. If you haven't grasped that God has given us a perfect opportunity to really make a difference in a time where it can make a difference, you're not paying attention. This whole world is looking around and we as Christians are made for this kind of situation where we step forward and say, those things that are going on out there have nothing to do with what's already happened in here. God is my fortress, the ever-present help in time of trouble. So I don't need to be afraid of what's going on and how my world is changing because God has already changed me and enabled me to change my world. So I encourage you, if you haven't taken advantage of it, make a decision today, today to just say, you know what, from this point forward, I'm making a difference and making an impact in my world. We've talked a little bit about this, and I want you to make sure and grasp from Acts chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. We talk about Jesus, the man who divided the calendar. And probably even if you are not a Christian, you would say he is one of the most influential members and pieces of history. Um, there's no doubt about it. But if you're a Christian like me, you probably would say he's the most influential person in history. But let's be very, very clear about who he was. He had the 5,000 men that he fed on the side of a hill one day. But for the most part, he was dealing with people one-to-one and man-to-man. And so let's just be very clear as well that he spent the majority of his time with his 11 disciples and a handful of other followers. As a matter of fact, if you look at Acts chapter 1, where Jesus is taken up into heaven, in verse 14 through 15, it tells us about the early church and its beginning. It says they constantly were there in prayer and how they relied on one another in prayer. But then it says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group that numbered about 120 This group of 120 people literally turned the world upside down. Well, not literally turned the world upside down, but you know what I'm saying. They turned the world upside down. They changed their changing world. Why? Because God had a hold of their heart and they were going to make a difference. And so as we look at this, here's what I encourage. It's what I've been encouraging the last couple of weeks and I'm encouraging you again. You don't need to be a person who's trying to figure out if things are the right time or the right words or looking for perfection. You just simply need to be the right kind of sower. And that means that you are constantly unconcerned about where the seed lands. You just sow the seed. You throw the seed. You keep sowing no matter what is receiving or what is being sown. It's just being sown constantly. And then you do that consistently. And I want to just speak to you for a minute. I'm a father. I'm a dad, and that is important to me. That's one of the most important, if not the most important role that I have been given outside of my job as a husband. But I would say this, you have probably had this experience where there have been people that said, well, my kids, they loved me until they were eight years old, and then they kind of tuned me out until they were 21. Well, I'm just here to tell you these things. I believe with all of my heart that my job is to sow the seed constantly and consistently 
And I don't worry about what kind of soil is receiving the seed. I know this. I know from looking back over my life, there were times where I was very rebellious for years possibly. But even when that happened, there were little frames and little moments and little windows of time where I was open to hear what God had to say to me. I just want to share with you no matter what, Jesus told his disciples that more insight would be coming after he left them. Their windows of growth would open even wider later. And so it's important that we not worry about people's windows of opportunity being open, but we just constantly and consistently sow the seed. Let's look at this building. I want you to kind of share. Uh, I, want, I want to just take a moment and share a little bit of this as a word picture. You and I know that at one time or another in our lives, we've been like that middle window there, just wide open and ready to hear what God has to say. Whatever source or whatever place it comes from, we're ready to hear. And there's probably been other times in our life where we are very, very difficult to hear. And we've kind of been like that one on the far right where our window is closed and we are not hearing no matter who says whatever they say. Or there are some times where we are a little open and we hear a little bit and we receive a little bit. It's just always different for us. But if you say, well, my kids, they're not listening to me and they haven't for years and years, you may be missing a window of opportunity that is absolutely critical in influencing and impacting their world. But you cannot give up. You be consistent and you'd be unconcerned about sowing that seed wherever it lands. Let God figure that out. It's not your job to make the soil good. It is his job. And so you sow the seed and that's what you do. In John 16, verse 12 through 13, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he quickly basically said this. The spirit of truth is going to come and he's going to tell you things that you're not even ready to hear, but he's going to reveal even more to you later. And haven't you had that experience in your life just like I have in mine, where my mind was not ready to receive, my heart was not open to hear, but then when it was, the things that had been sown in my life sprouted and came to life when I didn't even realize they were there. So you sow the seed and you make that difference. That is what God has called us to do. And if you are a person who says, yeah, but you don't understand. Whatever I say to my kids, they don't care. My kids aren't hearing anything. They're not listening. They're not making any kind of difference in their world. Whenever I share with them my ideas, my thoughts, my input, if I give them an opinion, they go in the opposite direction. Here's what I would say. This is your job then. If you feel like you're sowing to unproductive soil right now, here's what I would say. Build the relationship. You and I both know we've heard it said and we believe it to be true. The truth of the matter is, is that people do not care how much you know until they what? Know how much you care, right? And so if that is true, you build that relationship so that when that window finally does come open to hear from you, they are ready to listen and ready to learn and they will take it to heart and it will even be multiplied because of the impact that you have already had in their life in the relationship building that you have done. And so if it means wrestling with your kids, do it. If it means hanging out with your kids while they're playing video games, do that. It does not matter. You just make that connection. And let me be very clear, we live in a world right now where the, the virtual reality is all the rage, but there are some things in your life and in my life that can't be replaced 
within real life experience. And so you and I, we need to just value this and understand that it makes a difference. And I'm going to share this with you very quickly. You, you see this, things that are better IRL in real life, if you're older or you don't speak text language or whatever it is, it, it, things that are better in real life. Why do they do immersion studies in language? If you want to learn a language, the best thing that you could possibly do is to move to a country where that language is everywhere around you, spoken by everyone around you. There is no lifeline to grab a hold of. Why? Because in real life, you will learn faster than anywhere else if you're in an immersion study of language. What about going to a concert? Have you ever had that experience where you go to a concert and you're like, my goodness, I thought I liked that band before. Now that band is even better than before. They're cooler than, than before. I mean, I just love what they do. This is what I'm talking about. You can watch them on studio uh, channel or whatever it is, but seeing them there at the concert, the energy level, all of that stuff, it's just no way that you can replicate that in a virtual reality. It's in real life. And then you can talk about an in real life conference. And this comes at us from both sides here, where we talk about being the kind of soil that's ready to receive something and the kind of seed that is being sown. An in real life conference takes you out of your comfort zone, makes you open to hear, and then seed is sown into you. And as a matter of fact, that is something that you can't reduplicate by just simply watching it online. What about food from a vacation? You know I was going to get to food, right? You knew this. You knew I was going to get to food. So here's the truth. How many of you here uh, have ever had that experience where you try something on vacation? You're like, that's the best food I've ever eaten, right? I've had that experience. I could call two or three different examples of how I ate an amazing meal, but part of the amazing part of the meal was the, the setting and, and the, the ambiance and the people I was with and the experience before, during, and after. You've been there. I, one of the best meals I ever ate was when I was at a kind of a patio area in Bulgaria. It was like behind this wall. And I was there with some missionaries that are serving in Bulgaria. And I told them when we were done, I said, this kind of experience was what I was always hoping for. We were eating in a courtyard behind this old wall that was hundreds and maybe even thousands of years old. Just an amazing experience. So how is that different? What happened in real life? And it's something that I can't even describe to you. And probably you've been there just like I have. The scenic places that you visited, you've seen them. You said, you know what? I wish you could see this picture. And they see the picture and they're like, ooh, ah, doing all that stuff. And then what do you say? I know this looks amazing, but the pictures just don't do it justice, right? And I mean, there are things that you've seen with your own eyes that you cannot reproduce even with an incredible camera. Why? Because there is something about being in connection with the scenic, with the food, with the smells, with the sights, with the sounds. And this is true in your relationships. If you are distant from people, you need to grasp that you are hindering your impact. And so if you constantly are pushing people out at arm's length, you are not going to make the impact that you hope that you will make. You've got to say, you know what, if I'm here to make an impact, if I'm here to make a difference, if I want my life and the surrounding people in my life to change, if I want my world circumstances to change, I have to make a difference. And that just kind of brings us to this truth. And I want you to know, I'm going to put up this kind of screenshot that I took and you can see this is 
the, the name of the website, you know nobody's going to stumble onto that, right? I mean, that's a horrible website. That's not exactly memorable like YouTube.com or something, right? This is actually the website that speaks about a, a study that they did that showed that as people got together and as people were in proximity with one another, that their hearts, that their hearts actually began to beat in the same rhythms and they began to mimic one another's uh, gestures and they had their eyes and their pupils dilating at the same rates and that all of these things began to sync up. Their breathing began to sync up. How is this possible? There is a synergy between you as a person and another person. That's why we were not created to live life alone. And so as we come into fellowship, come into connection, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't care what your kid is watching on TV. I don't care if they're playing a video game. Just go in there and be with them. Be the presence in their life that is not going to, you know, ever hurt you, but will help you as you try your very best to connect. So that brings me to my big idea today. You can impress from afar, but you can only make an impact when you are up close. I'm going to say that one more time. I've shared this before. This has been the big idea before. But here again, we want to revisit it. You can impress from afar, but you can only make an impact up close. That's why when you talk to people about who their influences might be, they might have a list of movie stars and people that they know from online or something like that. But when you really press them and say, you know, who's made the biggest impact in your life? They start talking about mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts and stepmoms and stepdads who stepped in and made a difference and an impact. Why? Because they were there with them. They were impressed by others, but impacted by those who were close. Very quickly, I want to talk about how Jesus began that ripple effect, how he influenced that small group, which influenced and changed the world as it went out. So let's talk about how Jesus made an impact. And let's look at this real quickly. Jesus impacted others in his actual language to his disciples and to his disciples. It might look like I've made a little error there with one disciple and the other disciple not being capitalized. But let's be very clear. That is intentional. And here's what I'm trying to say. I was sharing with Haley Hilton a little earlier this week about the language of the Bible. And the actual language of the scriptures, if you know a little bit about that, you know that the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. Now, what does that mean? To you and me, it doesn't mean very much, but it actually means a whole lot. So let's be very clear about this. As Jesus spoke with his disciples, capital D, as he spoke with his disciples, he used words from Aramaic. It's pretty clear that that was the language of Jerusalem at that time and the surrounding areas. It's also pretty clear as you read the scriptures that as you see these excited utterances and the number of different times that it says in Aramaic, they spoke this word, which means this in Greek. Well, here's what we know. When he was reaching to his disciples in that moment, he spoke their language. He didn't ask them to change. But here's what's so important about Koine Greek. Let's go to this next one from Wikipedia. Koine Greek was the common super-regional form of Greek spoken and written during the Hellenistic period through the Byzantine Empire. So really what you're looking at is somewhere close to 17 to 1800 years. You could go and find someone who spoke this language and this was the common language, not the classical language, not the one that impressed people. 
But this was the one where everyday, common, ordinary people were trying to sell something so they could make a living. And so they couldn't connect because one spoke Persian and one spoke, you know, um, something else. And in the process, they would meet in the middle by speaking Koine Greek, common. The word Koine actually means common. And so if you look at this, why is this so important? That means this, that God was not here to impress us with his son. He was here to connect us with himself. He was not here to impress us with his classical Greek. That was so impressive. He was here to connect us with himself. And he did that by reaching to us in our own language, not demanding that we be smart enough or educated enough or any of those things that we might grasp his greatness. He meets us where we are. So this is so important for us to know and understand. Very quickly, let's see how Jesus impacts uh, in another way. He invited his disciples to know him, not just simply know about him. He wanted them to know him personally, not just simply know about him. And we go back and we see in these passages that Eric read just a few moments ago about the Lamb of God. There are two different times where John the Baptist is speaking about Jesus. He is the forerunner that is predicted in the book of Malachi to be the forerunner of the Messiah, to point us towards the Messiah. And he does these things in this way. Those disciples who were following him, he said, no, 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 don't follow me. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so when they heard him speak about being the Lamb of God and the communion Lamb that took away the sin of the world, this wasn't the first time that they'd heard that. They heard that all the way back at the very beginning. They heard it from John the Baptist. And so let's go back and look at those passages. One of the first times that John says this is from John chapter 1, verse 29 through 30. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one that I meant when I said, A man comes after me who has surpassed me because he was yet before me. And this is so important that John's disciples shifting their allegiance is done with John's encouragement and blessing that they follow the Lamb of God. And then later he speaks again in a different part of John chapter 1. John was there again with two of those disciples and he saw Jesus pass and he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when those two disciples heard him say it, they followed Jesus. And then turning around, Jesus saw them following and he said, what is it that you want? And then they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, Jesus replies, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. In other words, as the day was closing, as that 12-hour day from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. of biblical times was closing down, Jesus invited them, come and you can have time to sit with me, to eat dinner with me, to hang out with me if you'll allow me to say it that way. You can learn who I am and you can know me, not just simply know about me. And so how does that influence what we're talking about in making an impact? Here's what it means. This is how we do it. This is how we understand. Let's go to this next slide. As we do, you have three speeds to master. The speed of life, where you go out and earn and do. You have the speed of love where you slow down and connect. But then you have the speed of learning. These are from Kevin Meyer, something he said that just made a big impact on my life. 
12 Stone Church from Austin, he, he talks about the speed of learning. And here is the speed of learning. It's where you slow down enough to be the one who pursues knowledge and information about someone else. You become the student of your children. You become the one who makes an impact on your workplace because you've taken time to say, tell me about your kids. Tell me what your problem is. Tell me what the difficulty is. And we've even talked about, you can hear that God is opening a door when you hear about the knots. Remember, it's not turning out like I thought. This is not what I expected. I did not think this was where my life was going to go. When you hear those knots, that is God's way of getting your attention and drawing you to a place where you can make an impact if you will let it. And so as we look here, we want to make an impact like Jesus. And how does he do that? You speak to people in their language. You don't demand that they learn yours. And then you let others get to know you and you get to know them when and if you can. Let me talk to you parents for just a quick second. You need to speak your children's language in order to connect with them. And I know that that sounds like you're like, oh, that's stupid. That's silly. It's kids. They're going to change their way of talking. And, you know, in the next three weeks, you know, everything's changing. I, I get it. I know. Man, trust me. Closer I get to 50, and I'm real close, y'all. The closer I get to 50, the more I realize things change all the time. But here's what I know. If I want to keep that connection with the people that matter most to me, I'm going to learn their language, not demand that they speak mine. That's how Jesus did it. That's how I want to do it. That's what I want to be. And if I'm going to make an impact, i got to speak the language of those people that I love. And then I want other people to know who I am if they're interested. I don't want to force it upon them, but if they're interested, I want to share. And I don't want to pretend that I was perfect because I was not. And, you know, the truth is, is that vulnerability attracts and pride repels. And so if you got to be the best and always had it all figured out and you were the smartest and all these things, people can't relate to you. They will run from you. But if you will be honest and open and say, I did some things good and I would encourage you to follow this and I did some things wrong and I would encourage you to learn from my mistake. If you will do that, you will make an impact because you are drawing close and letting them know you, not just know about you. Very quickly, here are the ways that you and I can apply this message, and it is just this. You apply in this way. You ask yourself this question, who am I influencing? Maybe it's whom, I don't know. Um, I'm not influencing any English teachers right now. Maybe it should be whom, and if it is, I'm sure I've lost you right now, right? But who is it that I am influencing exactly? Who is your circle of influence and friends? Maybe it's friends, neighbors, acquaintances, external and extended contacts, your immediate, your extended family, whoever it might be. These are the people that you desire to see an impact in their life from what you are doing. You need to ask yourself, who is that group? Who are those people? And make a list of those people because they may be the people that you need to be hearing about those knots from them. I'm not having a good time at school. I am not enjoying this. I am not feeling like I have the close relationship with my parents that I wanted to. Grandparents, this may be your opportunity to be a blessing that you alone have. And then the other question that you apply, with who and how can I connect at a deeper level? You ask yourself these questions because this is true for all of us. 
you may be one of the very few people that has an opportunity to make a difference and make an impact. But if you take away that responsibility, if you pretend it's not there, if you walk away and say it's not important and why do they want to even listen to me, I'm here to tell you that you have opportunities that I will never have. And I have opportunities that you will never have. And it is our responsibility as God's workmen in his field to make a difference and to change this changing world with his truth. But it can only be done as all of us roll up our sleeves and say, I'm going to get in and I'm going to get involved. So very quickly, I want to leave you with a challenge. Because the truth of the matter is, is that for most of us, we think, well, one little ripple doesn't make a difference. One little ripple can never make a huge impact. But I'm here to tell you that one little ripple can make a bigger wave than you ever realize or imagine if God is working in it. And never abdicate that opportunity and that responsibility. I want to share with you a picture of somebody that you will not recognize more than likely. Let's check her out. All you can probably tell is that she was very young way back in the day, right? And you see that picture, you have no idea who it is. But if I put up the next picture of her when she was older, this is Teresa of Calcutta. You know her as Mother Teresa or Saint Teresa of Calcutta. And as we begin to know a little bit more about her story, we know this about her. Most of us think, well, she was a nun. And yeah, she was. She was most certainly a nun. But she left her order of nuns to go and begin her own because she felt the call of God not to do the things that all the others were doing, but to love the poorest of the poor and to serve the people who had had their family turn their backs on them because they had uh, diseases like AIDS or difficulties that they faced with their own health issues. She was working in a hospice situation. She was feeding the babies that nobody was caring for. She was on the streets. She gave her life to those people who could never pay her back and she made an incredible impact. She began a brand new group of nuns that nobody had ever heard of. But if you know now a little bit more about her, you realize that she was followed by over 5,000 people today that are a part of the, the convent and the order of nuns that she began. There's over 762 different convents in 135 different countries doing the work that carry on the impact that she wanted to make. And so it is incredibly important to understand that one little ripple can begin to make a wave. And for you and I, we have to keep our opportunity going as we follow what God has led us to do. Very quickly, I just want you to know that this little girl that you see as a picture on the left, the, the woman that she became later eventually came to know by personal name some of the most influential people. If you see here on the left, you can see the picture of her with Princess Di. Some of y'all know, know exactly who Princess Di is. Some of you need to ask your mom or dad who it was. But look at her size. She was five foot tall, little bitty woman making a huge impact in the world. On the right-hand side, you see her with President Reagan receiving an award and being honored for her work. She was known 
to and known by the most important people in her world because she cared the most about those that mattered the least. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And isn't it amazing to look at her quote? You know what she said? I want you to hear this quote and hear it as a clarion call to you and to me. She said, you don't wait for leaders. You do it alone, person to person. In other words, you don't wait for somebody else to come in there and show you how and do those things that ought to be done. You don't wait and say, somebody ought to make a change. I wonder who it will be. Instead, you hear the call of God. You look at the opportunities that you have and you roll up your sleeves and you get involved and you get busy doing what God has called you to do. And you make a difference one person to another person to another person and let it ripple out from there. I just want to share with you, God has called you and enabled you to make a change in this changing world. But you and I can only do it when we decide that we will make an impact. And that demands that we get out of our comfort zone and get up close. And that we don't just try to influence, but we instead determine that we will make an impact in our world, wherever it may be. Heavenly Father, please use us in all ways and always, Lord, to make this world a better place, a place that more closely resembles the life that you want to see your children living. And I pray that in all that we do, we would give honor and glory to you and that we would follow the path that you have already laid out for us, that we would connect with others as often and as much as we possibly can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, I want to just talk to you for just one quick second as we end. And I would just tell you this. I know for a little while we were expecting that we would be able to come back and have time together probably around the beginning of July. Unfortunately, you probably are following the news just like I am. And you realize that things are not exactly getting better. You might have even, like me, received a, a warning on your phone on Friday reminding you that the coronavirus was everywhere and that we're making some changes, even stepping back on some of the reopenings that we've had. Uh, I think here at EHC, we probably need to follow suit and to honor those same things that we're being you know, told and recommended to do. We're having numbers of cases in the 5,000s in, here in Texas, according to the Texas Tribune, per day. And so it is a significant risk and I do not want to put any of you at risk, uh, put this as a test of faith to be here or not. That's not what we're trying to do. We've always maintained a good relationship with our community and we never want to give back the reputation of being a friend to the community and a friend to our families. And so because of that, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to just encourage you to stay home and stay safe. If you do feel totally led to come and be here, bring your mask. You can be socially distanced and you can be a part of things. And we encourage you to be here if you feel God is calling you. But don't think that we're going to be judging you or feeling any kind of way about you. We want you, most importantly, to stay safe and stay connected in ways that will keep you and your family safe from this virus as it plays its way out. And today, I just want to give you that encouragement. Whatever these next few weeks hold, I've thought that I had an idea. I've thought that I had a sense of it. And now I've been pushed back and said, well, maybe not. 
But whatever the next few days hold, we know who holds those next few days and our tomorrows and our years and our decades and our millennia yet to come. Our, hand, uh, our, our life is in God's hands and ultimately um, we love one another. We're encouraging you and encouraging uh, all of us just to make sure and stay safe and stay home if we can, okay? So we'll stay in touch with you. Make sure that you are on our EHC Connect list. If you have not, we need to get in touch with you. Just make sure that we've got that way of connecting with you, okay? All right, so thank you guys so much. If you have any questions or anything, shoot me a text, call me, whatever it might be, and we'll make sure that we get all your questions answered. But for now, I just want to remind you that you are loved, you stay safe, God bless you, and we're going to end the way that we always do. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you.